guys and welcome to Murder She Spoke. I'm Caitlin Malley and I'm your host of this podcast. Well, happy October 1st. It is finally the beginning of the spooky season. I am so, so excited about this. Um, next week I'll be bringing you guys some some spooky stories and um, some good little episodes to do with like Halloween and different stories about along those lines. So um yeah um everything's kind of been going good um I am recording my episodes a few days in advance now so um I can just kind of like bash them out and you know if I'm busy then it'll be easier just to um have them kind of like I guess like stocked up so then if I am busy all I have to do is just publish and um get them out there for you guys to listen so like I said in my last episode, I am wanting to do them every um, every Tuesday and Thursday. So that's the plans anyway. So hopefully I can stick to that. And I'll probably always release them around like noon time, 11 a.m. or like around noon. Um, and yeah, just to kind of keep up with that. So um, everything's been going good in that sense. And um, it's definitely difficult recording a few days in advance because, you know, I'm trying to think of like what will be happening on that day. So I was, when I was recording this one, I was like, okay, I have to remember that it's October 1st and it's just different that way. But yeah, I mean, it's nice though. I really enjoy recording. I just get to sit here on my couch with my microphone with all like my little notes and everything. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't think I have anything new to report. Um, after I messaged, uh, oh, sorry, after I had said last time in my last podcast um, that the one of the guys from Love Hate, Robert Sheehan was in it um me and my boyfriend actually started watching Misfits and I have a show that I watched when I was like 16 but it's absolutely hilarious um it's about these I think there's like five teens that um get hit by lightning while they're doing community service in like um in London and uh they all get these different superpowers and the one guy, Robert Sheehan, um, he's he, he he's an Irish character in it. And he hasn't found out what his superpower is yet. And it drives him nuts. And it's just really, really good. And it's really funny. Like, very crude English Irish humour. So if you get a chance to watch it, you definitely should. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys are all looking forward to the Thanksgiving weekend if you're living in Canada um it's gonna be so nice the weather has been absolutely beautiful for October I can't get over how nice it's been so I'm excited um to see what the weather will be like for that weekend hopefully it'll be lovely um but it's still been in like the 20s here in Calgary which is unbelievable for this time of year because this time last year my mom actually broke her foot from stumbling in the front door and my dad fell on top of her and she had to go for surgery and none of us actually believed that it like it was that sore. So the following Sunday morning, um, you know, she was hopping around the house and all of us like, Oh mom, you're being so dramatic, like you're fine. And then lo and behold, she actually had to like get like some sort of a pin put in her foot because it was that bad. But it was so funny. Um, I'll never forget that. And they gave her like um, some sort of like, I guess, painkiller in the hospital. And me and my sister drove her in. And me and my sister were taking videos of her. And this nurse came in and gave us such shit for doing that. She was like, this is not funny. Your mother is in 
very um, high pain right now. You shouldn't be taking videos of her. And like my mum's like laughing in the chair. And then she told us to go home and that um, they were going to take her in an ambulance to another hospital. I was like, oh, I can drive her. It's fine. And they were like, no. I was like, okay. So <laughs> that was the weather we had this time last year. So I'm very happy that it's not snowing, snowing right now at the end of uh, September. But uh, anyways, let's move on to this episode. Today I'm going to be doing the Robert Picton um, serial killer. So he's also known as the pig farmer killer. So happy listening guys. All right guys we're moving on to episode five. So like I said there we're doing the Robert Picton case. He's a serial killer um, also known as the pig farmer killer. Um, he is a Canadian serial killer which we don't have many of those because you know everyone's just so nice here in Canada. Um, anyways so it's quite a messed up case I thought this would be a pretty good one to kick off for the month of October as really really it's it's something out of a horror movie honestly like a gore horror movie absolutely disgusting the stuff that this guy gets up to so let's jump right in so Robert William Willie Picton um aka the pig farmer killer he was a, ca- a Canadian ser- serial killer currently on trial for six counts of murder and is suspected to it for at least 26 others. So, um, Robert was born on the 24th of October, 1949. He is a Canadian serial killer who was convicted in 2007 of second-degree murders of six women. Arrested in 2002, subject of a long investigation that yielded evidence into numerous other murders. So, Picton was charged with the deaths of an additional 20 women from Vancouver downtown east side um and then Picton was also sentenced to life in prison with no parole for 25 years um which was also one of the longest sentences or sentence yeah I guess sentences um under Canadian law at the time which is crazy um I thought for most of the time when people got put away for life that there was no it was like an uncertain amount of time about how long but I guess it depends on like how old they are when they choose it you know if they had like 50 years in prison and they're 30 you know it's highly you know they're not going to live past that I guess that's what they try and do so maybe I'm not sure how old he was at the time of the killing but you know maybe he wouldn't live past those 25 years and that's why they estimate it for that long um maybe someone can tell me that so the background now of Robert uh so Robert and his brother David owned a pig farm in Port uh Coquitlam I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Um, it's 25 kilometers east of Vancouver. Vancouver is such a beautiful place. Uh, Chris and I actually just spent time on Vancouver Island there. Um, um, I think it was at the end of August we were there. And it was beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go, and especially if you want a chance to like explore Canada during COVID. Obviously, depending on what like, our COVID cases are like right now, because I don't really want people going left right and center and the cases are still really bad but definitely if you ever get a chance to go check it out it's stunning um so a worker named bill called the farm a creepy looking place and he also described um Picton as a quiet guy kind of strange but kept to himself even though you know as we learn about him that was not the case at all so the Picton brothers 
began to neglect the site's farming operations. They registered a non-profit charity, um, the Piggy Palace Good Times Society, with the Canadian government in 1996 claiming to organize, coordinate, manage and operate special events, functions, dances, shows and exhibitions on behalf of the service organizations, sports organizations and other worthy groups. Uh, its events included raves, as you do at a pig farm. Who wouldn't want to go to a rave at a pig farm? Fucking get it! Absolutely not. Disgusting. Gross. <laughs> um, and wall parties featuring Vancouver sex workers and gatherings in, converted in a converted slaughterhouse. Could you just imagine the smell? So, I mean, all I can think of is the smell of stampede plus pig shite. Gross. Ugh. And probably blood as well, like Ugh. anyways um so um the it was converted slaughterhouse on the farm at 953 dominion avenue in port coquitlam uh these events attracted as many as 2,000 people members of the hell's angels were known to be frequent at the farm too which is crazy so on march 23rd 1997 picton was charged with the attempted murder of a sex worker wendy lim um who he had stabbed several times during the altercation at the farm uh wendy had informed police that picton had handcuffed her um but then she had escaped after suffering several lacerations she told him that she had disarmed him and stabbed him with the weapon picton sought treatment in eagle ridge hospital while um, Wendy recovered in the nearest emergency room. He was released on $2,000 bond. The charge was dismissed in January 1998. Months later, the Pictons were sued by Port Coquitlam um, officials by violating zoning um, ordinances and neglecting agricultural for which had been zoned and having altered a large farm building on the land for a purpose of holding dances, concerts and other recreations. So... The Pictons ignored the legal pressure and held a 1998 New Year's party after which they had been faced with um, an injunction banning uh, future parties. The police were, quote, authorised to arrest and remove any person, end quote, attending future events at the farm. The society's non-profit status was removed the following year for inability to um procure financial statements it was it was subsequently um subs oh my god why can't i say that word subsequently dis disadvantaged i'm so bad at reading oh my god it's terrible um so over the course of three years um hiscox noticed that women who visited the farm eventually went missing so he was a worker that worked at the farm and he was also the one that quoted him to be quite like a strange guy and um but kept to himself so on february 6 2002 police executed a search warrant for illegal firearms on the property uh robert and david picked him were arrested and police obtained a second warrant using what they had on the property to search the farm um, as part of BC missing women's investigation. So personal items belonging to missing women were found at the farm, which um, was sealed off by members of the joint RCMP and Vancouver Police Department task force. The following day, Picton was charged with weapons of, um, offences, 
Both of the Pictons were later released. However, Robert Picton was kept under police surveillance. As you do, because he's probably a fucking jackass. He's off his rocker. Um, on February 22nd, Robert Picton was arrested and charged with two counts of first degree murder in the deaths of uh, Serena. Now, I'm so sorry if I say people's last names wrong or first names wrong. So please correct me if I'm saying anything wrong. But Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. On April 2nd, three more charges were added to the murders of Jacqueline McDonnell, Diane Rock and Heather Bottomley. A sixth charge, the murder of Andrea Josebury, was laid on April 9th, followed shortly after a seventh for Brenda Wolfe. On September 20th, four more charges were added uh, for the slayings of Georgina Papin, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark and Jennifer Firminger. For more, four more charges for the murders of Heather Chinook, Tanya Hulk, Sherry Irving and uh, Inga Hall were laid on October 3rd, bringing the total to 15, which is fucking crazy. Already they're just finding so much on this guy and, you know, trying to convict him of it as well. So on May 26, 2005, 12 more charges were laid against Picton for the killings of Cara Ellis, Andrea uh, Borhaven, Deborah Lynn Jones, um, Marnie Frey, Tiffany Drew, Carrie Kosky, Sarah DeVires, Cynthia Felix, Angela Jardine, Wendy Crawford, Diana Melnick, and Jane Doe, bringing the total number to first-degree murder charges to 27 women, which is just insane. And this all happened just in Vancouver. Like, I mean not to point fingers at the states but it's not like it was in the states or anything like that with all the <laughs> all those crazy serial killers like this is like right here it's mad so anyways um excavations continue the farm through november 2003 the cost of investigations is estimated to have been 70 million dollars canadian dollars by the end of 2003 according to the provincial government as of 2015 the property is fenced off under lean and the crown right of british columbia in the meantime all the buildings on the property except the small barn had been demolished so we have some points here the forensic analysis proved difficult because the bodies may have been left to decompose or be eaten by insects and pigs on the farm but so nasty God, it gives me the shivers. Uh, During the early days of excavations, forensic anthropologists brought in heavy equipment, including two 50-foot flat conveyor belts and soil lifters, or sifters, sorry, to find traces of human remains. On March 10th, 2004, the government revealed that Picton may have ground up human flesh and mixed it with pork and sold it to the fucking public. What the fuck? I cannot. I already don't really like pork. Like it always makes me feel sick. To think that you were just nibbling on a sausage and it might have been mixed in with, you know, some nice young lady. Disgusting. Ugh. What a sick bastard. Ugh. So... And then, so <laughs> it's just so crazy. Like, I, when I was reading this, I was like, there is no way. So then the province's health authority later issued a warning. Like, 
they have to issue a health warning because there might have been, you know, ex-sex workers that were in their sausages or, you know, mixed in with their bacon or whatever the hell. Like, I don't know how they would even do that. Like, that's just so rank to me. Ugh. Anyways. Um... And then the next claim is that he fed them the bodies directly to the little piggies. The poor little piggies. Oh, they don't deserve that. They don't they just deserve nice yummy little veggies. Don't feed us humans, thank you. So anyways, our preliminary inquiry was held in 2003 to for uh, sorry, of a testimony from which was covered by a publication ban until 2010. At the inquiry, the fact revealed that Picton had been charged with attempted murder in connection with stabbing for sex, uh, sorry, stabbing of a sex worker, Wendy Lim, in 1997. She testified at the inquiry that after Picton had driven her to the Port Coquitlam farm, um, he had he had, had sex with her, he slapped her, and he put a handcuff on her left hand and stabbed her in the abdomen. She stabbed Picton in self-defense. So, this part of the story I found so messed about up about this, um, and it's just like something you'd see on the movies. Like it's it's so so scary. So later, both Picton were treated. At, sorry, later both she and Picton were both treated at the same hospital, where staff used a key that they found in Picton's pocket to remove the handcuffs from the woman. Sorry, from the woman's wrist. The same hospital the same emergency room like that is just so scary to think that you know she's just gone through this traumatic event and i'm guessing like you know this is a pretty small town or uh, you know maybe a city or suburb or whatever and they only have the one emergency room to go to and i mean really and truly he should have just been left to bleed out but whatever what can you do um and you know imagine if she saw him like how terrifying that would be she would she would go insane i know i would go insane if i saw him when he's just tried to murder me like that is so scary and i hope these days like that's very unlikely that will happen but it, it does happen so um the attempted murder charge against pictons was stayed on january 27th in 1998 because the woman had a drug addiction issue and prosecutors believed she was too unstable for a testimony to help secure a conviction which is so sad like i i really hope that you know well justice did get served but that she saw that and that you know she might have had a, a say in that even though people are saying that she didn't because of her addiction issue but yeah so anyways um the clothes and the rubber boots Picton had been wearing that evening were seized by the police and left in an RPN, RCMP storage locker for more than seven years. Not until 2004 did lab testing show that DNA of two missing women was on the items of Picton in 1997. So this was going back to 1997. It's now, what, 2005? And they're just finding out that they have had DNA on these boots like come on guys let's let's be on top of these things so in 1998 according to vancouver police detective constable okay i'm so sorry if i said this wrong laurie mayor shenher 
Shenher. So Shenher learned of a call made to the police um, tip phone line station that Picton should be investigated in the case of a woman's disappearance. According to uh, Shenher's account, described at length in his 2015 book about the case, he struggled to attract sufficient police resources and attention to the case until 2002, search of Picton's farm by the RCMP. In 1999, Canadian police have received a tip that Picton had a freezer filled with human flesh. This is what I meant by a good one to start off for Halloween because this is straight out of a horror movie um, on his farm. Although they interviewed Picton, who denied killing the missing woman and obtained his consent to search his farm, the police never conducted one. Like, I just wish they would have just been able to be like, no, I'm bashing down the door. I'm going in and I'm looking. Because I bet you he got rid of those so fast. So, Picton's trial began on January 30th, 2006 in New Westminster. Picton pleaded not guilty to 27 charges of first-degree murder in the Supreme Court of British Columbia. Um, the phase of the trial took most of the year to determine what evidence might be admitted for the jury. Reporters were not allowed to disclose any of the material presented in the arguments. And I'm pretty sure that's because like it's a law in Canada um, until like, it's passed by like maybe like, the juror that um, things cannot be pub- um, public for like, you know, the media and everything to talk about. So on March 2nd, um, one of the 27 counts was rejected by Justice Jane Williams for lack of evidence. What more evidence do you want, buddy? Like, Christ. So on August 9th, Justice Williams served the charges, splitting them into two, uh, sorry, into one group of six counts and another group of 20 counts. The trial proceeded on the group of six counts. The remaining 20 counts could have been heard in a separate trial, but ultimately were stayed on August 4th, 2010. Because of the publication ban, full details of the decision were not publicly available but the judge has explained that trying all 26 charges at once could put an unreasonable burden on the jury as the trial could not last up to two years. It also would have been increased the chance of mistrial. The judge added that the six months he chose to materially different evidence from the other 20. The Office Inspector General Senior Investigator R.J. Mc- McDougald uh, was case agent to the investigation. I am literally so bad at saying people's names. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> the date of the jury trial, the first six counts, was initially set to start in January 8, 2007, but was later postponed to January 22nd. On that date, Picton faced uh, first-degree murder charges and the deaths of Frame, Abbotsway, Papin, Josbury, Wolfe, and Wilson. The media ban was lifted and for the first time Canadians heard the details of what the, um, what was found during the long investigation. So this is where it gets kind of nasty. So there were skulls cut in half with hands and feet stuffed inside. The remains of one victim found stuffed in a garbage bag and her bloodstained clothing found in Picton's trailer. Part of a, uh, another victim's jawbone and teeth found beside Picton's slaughterhouse and a 22 caliber revolver with an attached fucking dildo. Ew. What are you doing with one of those? You creepy hillbilly fuck. Like, gross. Ugh. Containing both his and the victim's DNA 
and a videotape recording played for the jury picked and claimed to have attached the dildo to the weapon as a makeshift silencer. I'm sorry, that is so fucking disgusting. Like, there is access to guns here in Canada, and there is probably access, access, or sorry, access to silencers too. I don't know anything about guns, nor do I have any interest in them. But I am sure that he could have gone out to the shops and been like, "Hey, buddy, can you uh, get me a, you know, a silencer? I only have a dildo right now. I would love a silencer though, because you know, the dildo it's not really working out any longer and." bit tacky for my killings like fucking hell like go out and you know if you're going to do the job properly why in god's name do you have a dildo sorry i'm just that just really messed me up when i saw that i was like that is absolutely rotten um so then as of february 20th 2007 the following information has been presented to the court during picton's trial lab staff testified that 80 unidentified dna profiles roughly half male half female have been detected on evidence. The items police found inside Picton's trailer, a loaded 22 revolver with a dildo over the barrel, uh, oh, sorry, over the barrel, and one round fired boxes of .357 Magnum handgun ammunition, night vision goggles, two pairs of fox fur handcuffs, which is so nasty, a syringe with three milliliters of blue liquid inside, and a Spanish fly aphrodisiac. I should have probably looked with that up. Sorry, I should have looked up what Spanish fly aphrodisiac was. Like I know what an aphrodisiac is, but I have no idea what Spanish fly is. So I'm gonna look that up. But if someone knows, shoot me a message on Instagram, and then I'll let you know the next episode. Um, a videotape of Picton's friend Scott Chubb say, uh, was saying to Picton that he had told him a good way to kill a female heroin addict was to inject her with windshield washer fluid. Not just a male, but a female. Only female. It doesn't work on male prostitutes. Or sorry, sex workers. It only works on female. Like, <laughs> it's just so stupid. I hate this. Oh my God. Um, With wind wash, windshield washer fluid. Like, that is just so horrible. Actually, we watched this. Sorry, this is such a sidebar. But um, every Sunday night, me and my family always watch a movie. And we watched this one that was based on a true story about this couple who were who, who went missing in Australia for days. And um, they're an American couple. And it was a husband and a wife. And they just got lost in like the desert uh, in the outback. And um, anyways, he thinks that she's dead. And he's hallucinating. And he's freaking out of what he's going to do. And... Um, she woke up one time and she he she realized that he was gone but she was she because he thought she was dead so then anyway she walks back to the car and um then she starts wandering around looking for him and he gets back to the car and he starts drinking um like either the coolant or the windshield washer fluid whatever it's called and he ends up like dying and it gives you extremely bad cramps and it will kill you the chemicals it will tear the lining in your stomach and your liver and it's so hard and you start sweating and hallucinating and throwing up and it's just a horrible painful slow death so it can kill you but what the fuck why would he even suggest that like what is wrong with these sick bastards anyways so yes um moving back to this he did say on a second tape was played for Picton and an associate of Andrew Bellwood said Picton mentioned killing sex workers by 
sex workers by handcuffing and strangling them and bleeding them and gutting them before feeding them to the pigs. I'm not sure how pigs would feel about that because they're quite smart animals, but I don't think they really like that very much. Photos of the contents of garbage, um, of a garbage can was found in Picton Slaughterhouse, which held some remains of Mona Wilson. In October 2007, a jury was accused of having made up her mind already that Picton was innocent. In the trial, the judge questioned the jury, saying, quote, It's reported to me that you said from what you had seen that a certain Mr. Picton was innocent. There was no way he could have done this, uh, that the court system had arrested the wrong guy, end quote. The juror denied this completely. Uh, Justice Williams ruled that she could remain in the jury since um, it had not been proven that she had made these statements. So then Justice James Williams suspended jury deliberations on December 6, 2007 after he discovered an error um, to the charge of the jury. Earlier that day, the jury had submitted a written question um, to Justice James requesting clarification in his charge, asking, quote, are we able to say yes, i.e., find Picton guilty if we were to interfere the accused um, acted indirectly end quote uh, on December 9 2007 the jury returned the verdict that Picton is not guilty on six counts of first degree murder but is guilty on six counts of second degree murder a second degree murder conviction carries a punishment of a life sentence with no possibility of parole for a period of between 10 to 25 years to be set by the trial judge on December 11, 2007, after reading 18 victim impact statements, British Columbia Supreme Court Judge uh, James Justice James Williams sentenced Picton to life with no possibility of parole for 25 years. The maximum punishment for a second-degree murder and an equal sentence which would have been imposed for a second-degree murder conviction. Mr. Picton's conduct was murderous and repeatedly so I cannot know the details. Oh, sorry. Sorry, quote, Mr. Picton's conduct was murderous and I repeatedly so. I cannot know the details, but I know this. What happened to them was senseless and despicable, end quote, said Justice Williams passing the sentence. So then we have some notes here. So um, Picton is not the only known serial killer to dispose of his victims by feeding them to the human animals. Joe Ball, also known as the Alligator Man, is believed to have fed the remains to his victims to five alligators he kept on his property while in Africa. Travelling serial killer Carl Pasgrim shot a group of six men in a boat and threw their bodies into wild crocodiles. And then Richard Kozil. Uh, Kozinski also claimed to have fed several still living vic- uh, living victims to rats. That is so horrible. Oh, being eaten alive by rats. I'm actually not too afraid of rats or snakes. It's like more like spiders and wasps and stuff for me. Like I've held snakes and rats and mice and stuff. I mean, obviously these are like in a pet shop, not like in real life. <laughs> Going out to the wild and just picking up a rat that's disgusting um and then a german serial killer fritz harman also known as the butcher of hanover would cut his victims bodies up into strips and flesh sell them as pork according to some claims and he would you know sell them on the street so that's a story i might have to do as well that's kind of, that sounds very interesting 
Um, and again, we all know that Picton ground up his bodies and, you know, put them into mince packages or made them into sausages or whatever the hell he did. Um, the Picton case is not only the serial killer case involving a missing woman in British Columbia. Um, British Columbia Highway 6, a.k.a. the Highway of Tears, has been the site of numerous, or sorry, of a number of murders and disappearances of young women, possibly dating back to the early as 1969. The exact number of prevent potential victims are is unknown but uh, maybe as high as 43 and while foul play has never been conclusively proven to the so-called selfishly human food discoveries are thought to be some of the work of um, more offenders because the Picton case is still under investigation so it's technically still under investigation but he is in jail and he is like sentenced to life um and I think like uh, when I was even talking to Chris about it, I was saying that basically he's he's technically like still on trial. Um, and it's because he keeps, uh, I think it's called like a plea or something that he's trying to do. So it's not like completely closed yet. So um, exactly how he killed his victims is not entirely known to the public as is anything he might have done to them before killing them. According to a witness on the tape, Picton had claimed that he brought his victims who were prostitutes to the farm and he handcuffed them and raped them and strangled them and bled and gutted them um, and ran them through a wood chipper and fed the remains to the pigs. Another claims that the victims uh, were ground resulting in, and you know, being sold as meat um, to his friends and family, uh, which is so disgusting. Um, it was stated in a biography channel documentary about the case that Picton would lure his victims into a farm using a simple rouge, such as pretending to buy sexual favors during sex. He would become violent and accuse the victims of something such as stealing from him in order to build up his rage. He would then restrain them, kill them, strangling, strangle them or shooting them and then butcher their bodies. So again, it's not really known how he did any of this, but all we do know is that he either fed them to the pigs after he ground them, ground them up in the wood chipper, or he packaged them up and sold them to people on the streets, which is so disgusting. Um, so this is one of the quotes that are from him. Um, I was going to do one more and make it an even 50. That's why I was sloppy. I wanted one more to make it to the big 5-0. Um, so it is known that he had killed... Where it People think that he's killed over those 27 women. Um, it's just there's not enough evidence, evidence to prove that. So with that quote as well that he said that maybe he got up to at least 49 people um so yeah that is the wonderful story of robert picton um there bye bye